Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of geek to me Radio, a jam-packed show today. We're going to have Sean Pertwee, Alfred Pennyworth from Gotham. We're going to talk to Nicholas Brendan from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame. And of course, Chef Liz from Tenacious Eats, talking about their upcoming Beetlejuice event, Stand By. a very, very busy show today, jam-packed wall-to-wall with fantastic guests. We are going to go right into it and waste no time. Our first guest, you'll recognize him from his astonishing amount of movies, TVs, and of course, video game voiceover roles that he does. We have the chance to talk with Sean Pertwee from Gotham. We're talking with Sean Pertwee, extraordinary actor, Royal Shakespeare Company, and now he's playing Alfred on Gotham, beginning its fourth season Thursday, September 21st on Fox. Sean, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for talking to me. I'm in uh, rainy old London now, but I'm on my winging my way back to Gotham as we spoke tomorrow morning. Perfect, perfect. So I want to thank you, first of all. You were very kind to share one of my posts on Twitter. I retweeted uh, also by Jason Isaacs about the 20th anniversary last month of Event Horizon. Happy 20th anniversary on that movie. (laughs) My God, yeah, and I can't believe it. I mean, uh, you know, how time flies. I mean, but Jason still remains a very close friend. And uh, what I love about those kind of movies that we made back then was they've still got sort of legs that they're still relevant now. And yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very incredibly proud of the fact that we managed to terrify an entire generation that, and we continue to do so. It it's does. A, it's, a, <laughs> it's quite a skill, I have to say. Yeah, and it's, it remains one of my top five favorite horror films of all time to this day. I must have seen it like 12 times in, th- in the theater, so thank you for that. So I know in Gotham, I've been told you do a lot of your own stunt work. Is that kind of a, a point of pride that you wanted to do that, or was that something that was kind of mutually agreed upon with the showrunners that you could do it if you wanted? No, it was actually something I don't think they were, they were fully aware of. I was, you know, I've been lucky enough to work for quite some time in my country and on, in other countries, and I've... Uh, as actors, you get the opportunity to, to um, dip your toe into many different, a myriad of different sort of roles. And I managed, you know, I was lucky enough to train with the SAS in the Kill House. There was elements that, from sword fighting that I've done because of my classical training at the Royal Shakespeare Company. So there's a sort of, a, a, sort of an amalgamation of it. And I've always, I've loved doing fight routines and stunts and things myself. Uh, and I don't think that the showrunners necessarily thought that um, I was particularly that capable. But when they saw what we were capable of doing. Norman is fantastic crew. They have this extraordinary skill of bringing out, um, watching the stars, seeing how far you can go. Um, and, I, and I love throwing myself around. So it's become a sort of real point of interest for me because it's, 
it, le- it leads to the whole reason of why Alfred Pennywood is there in the first place, the fact that he is, was there for a certain reason, which is to protect the Waynes, um, which is something that people never really sort of, I don't think, ever realize. Really, that's the great thing, and what I love about our show is we're seeing ordinary people being molded into becoming extraordinary people. But why was Alfred Pennyworth a sort of edgy, snarky cockney there in the first place? And we're seeing it at a time he's never been seen before. And who taught Batman how to fight, how to stitch, how to cook? Um, all of these elements uh, come from our interpretation, our opinion of, um, um, from, from Alfred, which is in many respects is sort of like enabler in a bizarre way. So to be allowed to, to do these things is, um, is nothing but an honor. And, I, and much to my wife's consternation, I love doing it because I, <laughs> I, I'm get, I don't bounce like I used to. You know what I mean? I, I tend to splat and things hurt a bit more the next day. But I still love doing as much as I possibly can, which is virtually all of it. I have to say I love it. I love yeah, it. There was a moment in this past season where you were holding Hugo Strange off the side of a building by his tie. It had a very the spy who loved me kind of feel to it where Roger Moore is doing the same thing to uh, exactly. one of the henchmen. Right. Well spotted. Yeah, I know. I love it. But you see, you know, you've got our showrunners, our masters at that. They'll, they'll lean towards moments. And I, I love, I love that scene, you know, and working with BD, who's just a genius. Um, I love, I love that moment. Uh, it was extraordinary. And we actually sort of hung him off this thing by he's a very brave man. I have to say, <laughs> I'd great, say great so. trust in his tie also. <laughs> right, exactly right. Good fabric there. Yeah, and I know um, talking James Bond a little bit and talking Alfred, you are definitely, I'd say, of the Alfreds we've seen live action-wise, you're kind of like the Daniel Craig of Alfreds. You're the physical one, the, uh, the one who gets in there and really gets down in the mud. Uh, when you audition for the role of Alfred, is that the kind of vision the showrunners had, or was that something you brought to the table on your own? Um, I think that initially, I've, I've said this story, that fans probably out there have probably heard these stories before, but we, um, when we auditioned for the, uh, our roles, I was sent a generic piece that was a two-page speech about a, a, a cockney geezer that goes into a pub and he punches someone and breaks someone in his larynx. And then I was asked immediately to go down to L.A., and I saw that Danny and Bruno, and I sort of said, you know, what is, what, hi, guys, what are you doing here? And they said, you're auditioning for us. It's for the show. It's for the show Gotham, which people had sort of heard of in the ether. This prequel, I said, yeah, that's very interesting, guys. But who's this guy from the East End of London who's getting in bar fights? And they said, well, that's Alfred Pennyworth. So, what was interesting was was they it straight away had this idea was that one he represented that he is a common man, that that he had a history that um, he was there and he was fully capable of defending. Why would the richest man in the world have the snarkiest, cockiest <laughs> um, Brit were there? It was, for us, it was plainly obvious. It was there to be, act as a protectorate, um, a confidant and everything to Thomas Wayne, and then that's why he's the only person that Thomas could trust, is, is Alfred. So the physicality and the danger of the character is something that has been developed because um, of my idea of, of making it all up with, of course, with, with our showrunners, making him SAS, making him a special air service, which is the equivalent of the, the SEALs in your country, in, mm-hmm. in America. Um, but also to give him a real dark past. And I think this is the, the thing that inexorably draws, draws Bruce and Alfred together is they need each other as much as each other. He is as dark as the boy. And, and this is what I'm so excited about the fans seeing this season, is that you're going to see that, you're going to see everything unravel with Alfred, and you're going to see who he really was, 
and 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 through that you'll know who he really is and he is a very very damaged and dark soul and um you know it's been hinted at in seasons before with when reggie stabs him and things like that and he his, his past comes to visit him in the shape of an sas comrade yeah and he says and he says to bruce you know you don't know who this guy is he's a war dog so all of those elements have been leaning towards it and i always sort of think that it's the, through the skill of us as actors, but really we're being guided very deftly by the genius of our showrunners. They then, of course, follow elements and strengths and, and, and weaknesses in many respects as well that we have, and they, and they encompass and they use those to make our characters fallible and believable. And I think that's what's the important issue here is that the, it's the show is Gotham is about the show that molds people and and you, you know you can't push someone too far god forbid you'll create a penguin or you know and they're so they're they're based it's based on the psychology of characters as well it's what i love so all of that stuff to do with the, the physicality and the almost the violence as well comes from a past which we start to explore and makes these characters multifaceted and makes it an honor to be able to play them, you know. And you do such a great job. We actually had David on the show back in March before the or the season finale of three. And we talked with him and we asked him about you. And he had actually, if you have a second, he had this to say about your performances. Sean is somebody that I look up to in so many different ways. He is an incredible actor. He's so experienced. He's um, he knows his craft so well. Um, he, he's constantly telling me stories about about his um, many, many, many year um, history in this profession, and um, and also he's just an amazing person to be around. He's so funny. He's he's just he he really brings a great energy to any room he's in. And it's it, it comes across on screen when the two of you are in scenes together. The, oh, the, the Alfred Bruce scenes really are some of my favorite. I've done the same ages virtually the same age as David and I absolutely love that boy and and um you know David and I have a, we have a real special bond and it's uh, it's nothing but an honor and a privilege working with someone who is as talented and as focused and I forget he's a young man and he's just extraordinary I mean he is extraordinary you you, you know I'm inches away from that young man's face and he goes to these dark places and I don't know and he, he'll go again and again sometimes and we work long hours and he's also studying he's a grade a student he studies so hard he's a, he's a joy to be around he likes hip-hop which i've influenced him in which is very good news for me. <laughs> <laughs> and he can chuck a punch now <laughs> nice um he's a. Uh, I am the luckiest uh, butler around i tell you to have someone like that to work for work with because i feel so at ease when we're together it's the easiest is we call it NAR, no acting required, because we're just in there <laughs> straight away. We did some great stuff the other day, and I and I adore him. So you know, he's an extraordinary man. I'm very lucky to have a someone who I work with so closely so often. If you know what I mean. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's all about your coworkers, especially when you're doing such a a, uh, a tight run piece like this, because you've got all these overlapping stories, but they go together so seamlessly. And that's a huge credit to all of you as actors, as well as the writers and the showrunners. I know you also, you seem, I, I, I follow you on Instagram and Twitter and you get along quite well with, uh, with Robin Lord Taylor. And uh, it seems like all the cast, you all just kind of hang out and have a good time. Yeah, you know, we, I know it's one of those kind of things that sort of people think, you know, they say, oh, I love my, we genuinely love each other. <laughs> we are one of the, you know, I've been in this business quite some time now. And the thing is, you know, you've heard a million times from a million casts, 
oh, you know, how, how close we all are together and everything like that. But we genuinely are. You know, uh, Robin and um, and Corey and Ben, and Marina, everyone, Drew, even Alexander Siddick who's just joined our company. Um, we we hang out together. We you know, in fact, we're throwing a little party for Ben on. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Maybe we're it depends when this airs. <laughs> it's his birthday party on Saturday, and we're just going to do the screener of the first episode at my friend's bar in Manhattan. Oh, nice, nice. So yeah, we genuinely hang out together, and uh, you can see that on the Instagram, and that's all for real. Yeah, we spent some of the summer holiday together with Robin. Well, we sort of backwards and forwards from Far Island and things like that with my wife. And, yeah, yeah. It's we're a very tight knit unit, and um, I love them to bits. So about the show, is there anything that you could tell our listeners? A little, little teaser, a little spoiler you could drop about what we might see in season four? Well, you're going to see, surprisingly, um, Bruce and Alfred getting on, which is, um, and, and, and they start, I don't, think it's a bit of a, I don't think it's too much of a secret to say anymore now that he treads tentatively the um, vigilante path. Mm-hmm. But this time with the uh, with Alfred by his side, so you you do see elements of the relationship that people know and love. But let me just uh, warn the audience that the the, the 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 people out there that seem to think that this is going to be the continuation right the way through the season, it's not. To make characters stronger, to make people's bonds stronger, you know, you must fall apart and come back together again, and that's exactly what happens. We hit major stumbling blocks, which. Um, with our personal relationship, I'm just talking about Bruce and I now, that I'm, I'm more excited than I have been for any other season. We have a great story arc that's extremely dark and dangerous in the middle where he questions his morality and he questions his worth and he questions himself, as does Alfred, in a completely different starter. And it's, um, it's ugly and it's dangerous and it's dirty and it's upsetting and I can't wait. And it's, that's something, that's our, one of our arcs that we have in this season. You know that there's a couple of introductions of, of the old favourite, my old favourite, the Scarecrow, which is truly terrifying. Danny did the first couple of episodes that Danny Cannon's showrunner. Um, and that is extraordinary stuff and very dark. Um, we have uh, Cyrus Gold arriving. I think that's, people know about that. Yeah. Well, Solomon Grundy. Um, and you have some extraordinary partnerships developed, <laughs> which I'm not going to tell you who because that would be ruining it. But, uh, yeah, there's some very strange partnerships that, that um, happen as they do in real life. Opposites attract. Right, yeah. It's hard to imagine getting much darker, though, since uh, Bruce basically killed you last season. I can't imagine getting more dark or dangerous, but that's something to look forward to. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was uh, that was uh, pretty edgy stuff. I was a little nervous there because originally we got script twenty one and twenty two in separate parts, and when I read that he actually killed Alfred, I was uh, a lot <laughs> very nervous. Phone calls going out to LA that night. I tell you that. Right? Yeah, I can imagine so. I'm I'm, I'm still in this, right? I'm still in this. But uh, yeah, it was it was a well formulated ending. Again, the credit goes to the writers and the showrunners on on telling this story and to all of you for bringing the words to life each week. And oh, it's a, it's a privilege and an honor. And one last question. I I would be doing a disservice to my audience if I didn't pitch at least one Doctor Who question your way. I know you're friends with Peter Capaldi, the the current Doctor. Uh, We posted pictures on Instagram and Twitter again of the two of you. Now, going forward with uh, Jodie Whittaker, I haven't seen anywhere where you've come out one way or the other, but I'm assuming you're fully in favor. Jodie Whittaker, our newest and first female Doctor. I was... actually twittered straight away which I, that sounds ridiculous but I did straight away I'm 
Yeah, you know, in my opinion, about time, the whole thing is that Doctor Who is, is an androgynous character. I think, mm. you know, that, that, that sexuality is not an issue, and I think that she is a phenomenally talented actor, as is Chris Chibnall, the fact that a phenomenally talented writer. And I think the audience are in for a real treat. I really do. I think it's fabulous. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of the idea, and I can't wait to see more. Yeah, I loved her in Broadchurch, and I'm very excited that to see, I mean, it's going to totally turn the show on its head, which is what shows need from time to time. So I think it's great. Absolutely. It's absolutely required. His sexuality was never an issue, was it? No. That's the whole point. Um, You know, and I I, I love Peter. I love Peter deeply. Uh, But I think it's it's going to be a really interesting turn. I think it's going to, I'm really looking forward to seeing what what they, they come up with. And we can look forward to seeing Sean Pertwee as Alfred Pennyworth Gotham season four premieres Thursday. It's got a day change, not Monday anymore. It's Thursday, September 21st on Fox. Check your local list. Let me try that again. I'd like to buy a vowel. Check your local (laughs) listings for Showtime. Sean Pertwee, I can't thank you enough for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Keep watching, guys. And we are going to go right to a break because we're terribly overdue. We'll be right back talking with Chef Liz from Tenacious Eats after this. Stand by. Hi, this is Meatloaf, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. And up next, our newest show sponsor, and she's live in studio with a Chef Liz of Tenacious Eats. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, James. Absolutely. So your next event coming up is Beetlejuice. <laughs> Beetlejuice. Some, Beetlejuice. Oh, you yeah. said it now. It's three times. Yeah. He's going to show up. <laughs> Hi, Max. <laughs> Max and Joey are in the uh, studio. Max, Hey there, Chef. Hi, how are you? <laughs> oh, it's great to see you. And congratulations to James uh, for having this wonderful sponsor of Tenacious Heat. Why, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we just did Goonies, which I, uh, w- was fantastic. And did you like that? It I did. Was crazy, the food, the right? Food was, the food was like, well, I was telling you off air, you could show a bad movie and your food would carry it. It'd be fine. Aww. So, I mean, but Goonies, I mean, when you pair a movie like that with the food you served, uh, so that was my second Tenacious Eats event, and you're, you're, as good, if not better, than the first one I was at. Well, this is my third time, right, on your yeah. show? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to come see another show. That'll be your third time, so that's We'll like, be even. That'll be even. That's right. <laughs> e- even Steven, like on Seinfeld. Steven. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, evil powers coming together in, that's right. in three. Yeah. That's right. So, that's the way the um, world goes. Yeah, it, it's just uh, Goonies was, was pretty easy to write. Actually, um, there's all I, I just focus the menu on chunk. You know, <laughs> exactly. It's like, duh, done, done, done. Um, oh, those adult strawberry milkshakes you started out with were oh, just amazing. You like that? So oh, good. I so know. Good. I get a little evil sometimes with with the drinks and the food. And I was like, ooh, we need white chocolate liqueur. We need real strawberries. That awesome vanilla ice cream from Clementine's. That was an evil concoction. <laughs> they were so good. My wife came with me this time, and she was like, you need to get the recipe for that. I'm like, okay, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I will give you that. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> so you brought something. Is this, this is from the Beetlejuice? This is from Beetlejuice. So, okay, so you know the scene where they're doing the uh, banana song? Yeah. Deo. I call it the banana song. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so we did Beetlejuice before. 
And normally I don't repeat films, but if I don't feel like I did it the way I wanted it to be the first time, I have this unbelievable crazy drive to to make it exactly the way I want. Hmm. So the last time we did Beetlejuice, we made all of our guests get up and, and dance during that scene. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I didn't have anybody with like, um, you know, tiger prawn fingers grabbing their faces, <laughs> although that would be the ultimate way I'd want to show the film, but I can't, you know, I can't do that. It's kind of gross to have somebody put their fingers in your food and then grab your face. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, the health department won't allow that. I don't know why. Um, Sticklers. <laughs> Sticklers. <laughs> but for that scene, um, I made this awesome, it's it's a passion fruit mango uh, cilantro shrimp ceviche. Ooh. Isn't this cool? And then it's it's like really bright and fresh, a little spicy. It's got cucumber, garlic, and then my secret ingredient is Mexican orange soda, huh? And uh, Filipino uh, banana ketchup gives it the nice heat. So how do you get ketchup from a banana? <laughs> <laughs> Very carefully, <laughs> they squirm a little bit. I'll bet. So so anyway, so I wanted to recreate. Oh, I'm sorry, I got I just got ceviche on the desk here we'll so, be the first time. <laughs> so i i'm very exact with this so no i kidding. want to make sure that there are five tiger prawns because in the film there are five fingers right right so i couldn't skimp on the fingers i hope i didn't lose a finger here i one. see one it's dripping everywhere but look this looks and tastes just like it could grab your face James. it does Isn't i'm very awesome? i'm a little scared now <laughs> so we're gonna pair this with a uh Cuba Libre, which is a really souped-up um, rum and coke mm-hmm. with a lot of lime simple syrup. So it'll be nice and refreshing. Yeah. I think that's kind of fun. Perfect. It looks does, cool. it, does it look like it could grab your face? It looks like it could, yeah. I'm going to have to take a picture <laughs> in our next commercial break. And Oh, Joey's, getting the, Joey's got the camera out. So uh, don't get too close, Joey. It might focus in and take the camera right out of your hands. So th- this is the second time you've done it now. You mm-hmm. said you don't do that often. How many? Can, do you recall how many shows you've gone back and revisited? Um, there have just been a handful, like um, Willy Wonka we mm-hmm. discussed. I think, you know, yeah. I, I wanted so much that scene where Gene Wilder picks up the teacup, drinks out of it, and eats it. I wanted my guests to have that exact same experience. So that's a film that I was just driven. I had to do that. Had to do it. And then Chef Steve, my partner in crime and pastry chef, was like, how many teacups are we making? <laughs> like, a whole bunch. Over 100, Steve. And he was like, Ugh. you know. Is that why um, he's not here today? Because I knew you were striking him a lot during the last time you were on air with us. So did he have to? <laughs> he does that everywhere. We just did a, a Skype interview with producers in California. I kid you not. Mm. I don't want to say for what, but we're, we we did this really long Skype interview, and Steve starts flinching <laughs> during the middle of the Skype interview, and then he almost held up, and I, I he didn't do it, he, but thank God, but he had a sign in front of him that he was going to hold up to this, you know, the monitor that says "Help, she beats me." <laughs> <sighs> Hi, honey. Don't. <laughs> he started this years ago, and now he thinks it's really funny. It's like, a shtick. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and then he tells people that I fire him every week, and I do. But, you know, it keeps him on his toes. You're like the St. Louis Gordon Ramsay, then. You're just always mean to him. And <laughs> <laughs> just to Steve. Right. Nobody else. Everyone just, else loves you. Just yeah, Steve. Yeah, just Steve. <laughs> Everybody needs a whipping boy, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take our first break. Uh, we're going to get a picture of this dish, which is amazing. And we will come right back with more from Chef Liz after this. 
And you're listening to Geek to Me, and James is the cute one. <laughs> Except now at this point, Chef lives in the studio, so she's the cute one. Tress said that when I was the only one in the studio, so it made sense. But so now you're the cute one. I'd so. rather be the evil one, James. You could. That's, that's a lot fine. more fun. <laughs> 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 so speaking of evil one, Beetlejuice will be your next event. Uh, fantastic movie. And you, we just tried the. I'm going to butcher the name of the dish if I say it. So ceviche, ceviche, and the the the, the hand. It looks like they look like big shrimp. They are, but they're tiger prawn. So they're the big monster jumbo ones. So and I wanted it to look just like they're grabbing you. So, um, but we went for the whole flavor profile. And this menu is very calypso, mm. very island oriented. So the drinks are going to be like mai tai and tropical yumminess to go with it. Um, I know one of my courses, <laughs> it's called My Art and It is Dangerous. Yeah. Um, we're doing Jamaican jerk wings, which are just, oh, I, I literally marinate them for three days in buttermilk and spice before we wow. even get to the cooking process. So I'm really excited about this menu. The menu is literally based on the crazy soundtrack on Harry Belafonte. Mm-hmm. Because I, when I tried to write it, it was like, this doesn't make sense. Who wants to eat clam chowder? They're in New England. <laughs> Boo. Um, but like when I started to write it, I'm like, I, I had really bad writer's block looking hmm. at this. And then I turned off the movie and I started listening to the soundtrack. I'm like, ah, telling me banana. Okay. That's the, you know, and then I'm like, the, the soundtrack, it's perfect. Literally every 15 to 20 minutes, there's a different Calypso song. So menu done. Yeah, it was it was a lot easier once I started to listen to the music. How often does that happen to you? Like, let's say you, you decide to go with a movie and then you start writing the menu and you're like, oh, has that? I mean, I know because you, you know your movies. That's you said you went to school for movie yeah. stuff. So I went to Columbia. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, obviously, you know, food because uh, wow. But uh, <laughs> does, does it ever happen where you know a movie and you go into it thinking this is what I want to do? And then does that happen often where you kind of like, oh, this may not have been the best idea? Or I know it's there. And it's almost like I like uh, I was watching a documentary about John Hughes the other day, and he said, "I'm not comparing myself to John Hughes, but I." <laughs> you're like, "Oh, really? Liz? No, you're like, delusional." Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I just I hadn't seen this documentary. I'm like, "Oh, mental check." Mark. But but he would barricade himself in his house and just pound out a screenplay in just a few days. And for me, the menu is the same. I li- I barricade myself in turn off my phone, um, try to turn off distractions, and I try to immerse myself in the movie, the soundtrack, every documentary I can find, mm. making of, info, just so I feel like I I really understand it. Even if it's a film that, that I've seen a million times, like um, someone asked us for a private event to show the movie Blade Runner, and you and I were just talking yes. about that. I didn't end up doing it because they picked another film. Mm. That movie is so personal. I think I'd have to barricade myself in for like two months to really feel like I got it right. Because how do you how do you put your finger on that? You know, I can write a menu to anything, but that movie is just when it's a film that I truly love. It takes me much longer. I I 
I just feel like I'm so connected that it's hard to connect to yeah. the menu. Like, how do I convey how I feel about this movie in a menu in five courses? So At least you just have to find someone to do paper mache for all the centerpieces, and you got the <laughs> decorations done, so there's that. Unicorns for <laughs> everyone, yes. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I just find it, certain films are really easy to write the menu, and certain films um, are very difficult for me. But I, I, I use the process of just, like, immersing myself in the movie for days on end trying to figure it out is it based on characters when i did royal tenenbaums Mm. that one was hard to peg down and then i went oh the siblings each one deserves a course and if you look at the narrative each one is about developing that character so i just each course was a different character um when we did uh life aquatic with steve zizu Mm. I couldn't figure out that one either. I'm like, okay, we know it's got to be seafood, <laughs> you know, because life aquatic. Right. But then all of the the wildlife, the wildlife biology and everything, they were all fictional creatures. That was our menu, <laughs> eating the fictional creatures. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually had unicorn on the menu then. Yes, uh, yes, stuff of like course. That. Yeah. But, but local unicorn, right. James. I'm, always, it's always yeah. got to be farm to table. Yeah, I'm very conscious of that. <laughs> and the horns were reused, I promise. Perfect. So. That's the, all we can do is repurpose the horns and do what you can. That's <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it's, it's um, especially when you really love film, right? You yeah. want to get it right. Yeah. When you're talking to somebody, I'm sure, I always think about this when you're asking people questions, somebody that you really admire, an actor, or actress, somebody that's really important to us, films that we grew up with or animated films like how do you even come up with the questions to me it's kind of the same thing Mm. it's so personal you know you don't want to screw it up yeah makes (laughs) sense yeah yeah and i screw it up all the time so don't (laughs) look don't look at me as an example that that'd be a lesson to everyone out there listening and you've got a couple other events coming up too you've got the uh, planes trains and automobiles on november 18th yes and home alone for the christmas show on december 16th that's going to be insane. I've already started the writing process for Home Alone. I, that's why I was really into John Hughes recently. I mean, I love John Hughes, but trying to get watch everything I can find with him, interviews, because Planes, Trains, and Automobiles um, was relatively easy to write. Mm. The menu, in fact, uh, the scene, you know, those aren't pillows. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I'm doing this bourbon brined smoked Chicken and dumpling. Mm. You know, the dumplings are going to be pillowy soft. Oh, nice. You can yeah. just stick your hand between them. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that, James, <laughs> as long as we can document it for sure, yeah, prosperity. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like Home Alone, uh, that, that's that been a challenge because mm. there's there's not a whole lot of food references outside of Macaulay Culkin sitting there with a massive bowl of of balls of ice cream, which I want to know what kid that age can ball ice cream to make it look that pretty and get it to stand up in a pyramid. I just, I want to know because I need to hire that No child. kidding, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, I got into the John Hughes thing. That's two John Hughes films in a row. And I don't think a lot of people realize what films he, he wrote the screenplay for, which films he wrote the screenplay and directed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm just excited. A John Hughes season. Exactly. Nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. No. And if you want to get tickets for Beetlejuice, there are only a few left. Literally a handful. And that's October 28th. And you can yes. go to tenaciouseats.com or brown paper tickets. Go directly there. Yeah. And uh, you can grab those few remaining tickets. So do it now. Otherwise, you'll miss out and you'll be starving until November <laughs> for planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> exactly. 
And if you want your face grabbed. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And who doesn't? I mean, yeah. a f- meal and a face grab? Come on. <laughs> Usually I have to go somewhere completely different for that. And pay a lot more. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so make sure you check out the website again. It's tenaciouseats.com. They've got uh, previews of all, I should say, reviews of all their previous mm-hmm. movies up there, and they've got a lot. And uh, please, Shen- send Chef Liz your suggestion for what movie she should do. For 2018, exactly. I need ideas. The new season coming up. Yeah. And then yeah. We, can, uh, we can talk about them off air as we've been doing. Yeah, and no pretty woman. No. Okay, I'm just putting my foot down on that. No I'm not pretty doing woman. It. And no, no A-team. We've talked about that. The no new A-team. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing Eat, Pray, Love ever again. No. That, no. That's the last so on that one, too. That one so down. just any, anything except those three, <laughs> feel free to throw it our way. But we are going to take our next break. We'll be back with more right after this, so stand by. Hi everybody, this is James Masters with his sexy fake British accent. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. And of course, James Marsters famously played Spike in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That series celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Hard to believe it's been 20 years. And we had the chance recently when we were at Dragon Con to talk to Nicholas Brendan, who played Xander in the series. He was there uh, in the Amerimart building. He's promoting a new Buffy game they have out, a role-playing game. And he had this to say. So we are talking to Nicholas Brendan, obviously from Buffy, but uh, so many movies and TV shows you've done. And you and I are birthday buddies, April 12th. Oh, yeah. So happy late birthday. David Cassidy, uh, David Letterman, and Shannon Doherty. And you have a brother? Twin. Who's also, I guess, the same. April 12th, absolutely. (laughs) Being a twin, I would (laughs) So uh, all the characters you played, has there been any character that you particularly landed on, if not Xander, one of the other characters who's resonated with you as an actor? I mean, Xander. I mean, and, uh, Kevin Lynch in Criminal Minds, to me, was kind of Xander 2.0. Yeah. But, I mean, Xander is kind of... And also there's a show I did called Catch Confidential for Fox that I really loved, but it got canceled too soon. So, but it's going to be it's gonna be Xander. Yeah. And we are at the 20th anniversary of Buffy. You've got this game yeah. here we're talking about. So tell us a little bit about the Buffy the board game. Oh, boy. I, I don't know how to play it. <laughs> I'm going to learn. Okay. But I don't know how to play it. You pick a person and you save Sunnydale from... And then if the ba- big bads, they'll eat the people. And if they eat too many, the hell mouth opens. That sounds pretty simple. And then you lose the game. So it's like Clue for Buffy. You just yeah, but it, and, it's a, and, it, and it's a collective game. Is that a collective? A what? A co- a, it's a collective game? What do you call it? No, it's just a regular board game. No, no, no. But what do you say? It's a, co- it's a co- cooperative. Cooperative game. And you can play uh, one to six players. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, with uh, being the 20th anniversary of Buffy... Uh, what if you had to say was the reason that you would personally say Buffy has lasted the longevity, the dedication from the fans? What? How would you sum that up? Content. Just and, the writing and the, the. I mean, I think. I mean, it was just. Um, it's like, why is the Bible still popular? I'm still asking yeah, people about too, that too. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, I just think that it was. It, it's just very topical. Always, we're talking just about like real life emotions. So. And it had some really good writing. And do you have a particular favorite episode that you guys filmed during that course of the run of the show? Once more with feeling, I think is yeah, uh, yeah. And then and then hush to me yeah. was really good. Oh, yeah. So it's hard. There were so many great episodes. Once more with feeling, you're doing a lot of karaoke lately. Yeah. So uh, what's what's your go-to karaoke song? Depends on my mood. Uh, 
so I was in, uh, where was I? I was in Chicago last week, and I did um, Together Forever by Rick Astley, mm. and Even Now by Barry Manilow. Oh, nice. And then I also sang, sang my, 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 my little number from the musical. Right, yeah. right. Very cool. Yeah. So tell people where, if they're listening right now, where they can find you online on the interwebs. Where can they find me online? Nicholas Brendan on Facebook. Nicholas Brendan on Twitter. And then Nicholas Brennan on Instagram. Perfect. And it's just my name. That's easy enough to remember. And then insert social media thing here. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Easy enough. So just take the social media, your name, they're done. Yeah, yeah, insert. Simple enough. Yeah. But not Snapchat, because I can't figure it out. And last question, what future projects do you have coming on the pike that we can look for? So I start shooting a movie next month called Judgment, where I play a, a murderous minister, priest guy. Ooh. Kind of chaos. Okay, yeah, but he's more of a cult, a cult leader. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And we yeah. can look for that to come out in 2018. I then? would imagine, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Nicholas Brennan, thanks so much for taking Thank the time you. to be on air with us. Of course. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. Nicholas Brennan from Buffy. And uh, now, Chef Liz, has anyone ever asked you to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a movie? Has, has that been one of the suggestions given? Multiple times. Multiple times. Um, there was one year we couldn't get it, and we had enough votes to show it, and for some reason it was moratorium. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't get the licensing. I think it was like three years ago. Maybe 2014. Um, but that's one of my favorites. I love yeah. Buffy. Yeah. How <sighs> can you not? The characters are so good. Joss Whedon does amazing job as a writer and director and just right. so good. We'll have him on the show next week. Joey, put that on my calendar. <laughs> yes, sir. I will I be here. You tell me what I you will, want me to <laughs> I will let you know. I could do a whole Firefly-inspired Serenity Firefly-inspired meal, right? Just Perfect. for us. Yes, that'd then be we'll great. lock them in. We won't let them out. Exactly. I'm right. sure no one will call the police. They'll be fine. <laughs> this is why we need the barge. We talked about it earlier. We need the barge. We need a barge. It's broadcast and lock people in. <laughs> Pirate radio on the Mississippi. Exactly. I think it'll go over huge. We'll just anchor off. Perfect. It'll be fine. We won't be caught. Nobody no one, will be able to see us. No one will care. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take our last break. We will be back to wrap things up right after this. Stand by. Hi, this is Brent Spiner. You're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. Wrapping up our last segment on geek to me Radio. Big thank you to Sean Pertwee from Gotham. Again, Thursday, September 21st, the premiere of Gotham Season 4. Be sure to check out Sean. And we've had David Mizzouz on the show before and Maggie Gill, who plays Poison Ivy. So make sure you check them out, support that show, because that's a show that needs to keep going. It gets better and better every season. Thank you also to Nicholas Brendan, who took the time to talk with us at DragonCon. Huge thank you to Chef Liz for coming in from Tenacious Eats, our newest sponsor. Again, those Beetlejuice tickets, a handful left. It's very close to being sold out. Get them now. Go to the website today. Get the last tickets before someone else beats you to it. TenaciousEats.com. And we need to thank our premier sponsor, Historic St. Charles. Brand new website, DiscoverSTCharles.com. Their Legends and Lanterns is happening. If you're a Halloween fan like me, my favorite holiday of the year, October 21st and 22nd, and again, October 27th through the 29th in historic St. Charles up and down Main Street. They'll have living history characters. They've got Lizzie Borden. They'll have the Headless Horseman. They'll have uh, Baron Samdi will be out. So all these interesting characters you can interact with. Guy Fawkes is there. 
and you can talk to them, learn their stories. There's trick-or-treating stuff for the kids. It's just, it's the perfect, perfect atmosphere for it too, along the cobblestone streets, the old buildings. Uh, it's a great time. And the great thing is it's there all year long. If you don't, maybe Halloween's not your thing. That's fine. Beautiful day today. Take your kids out, take the dog out, let the kids walk the dog while you sit back and drink a beer in the park. That's fine too. Hang out. It's always a good time. Lots of great food, lots of great shopping up and down Main Street. And it's there couldn't be a better place. And I know some people are like, well, we don't want to travel across a bridge because we live here. It's it's worth the drive. There's plenty to see, plenty to do. Please check out the website. Hit the Things to Do tab, and you can see all the upcoming events they have at discoverstcharles.com. So as we part, uh, next week is the last weekend of September, and we are wanting to do another trivia uh, we did some trivia last year, our first annual. With our fingers crossed, we'd be around for a second annual. And yay, we're here. So if you have an idea of what type of prize you'd like for trivia, if, you want, if you're thinking, is it better to have movies like Blu-rays? I want comic books. I want something else. You can tweet at me, at Geek2MeRadio, and just do hashtag Geek Trivia. I'm going to have a poll up later this week. You can vote. But if you have a suggestion, throw it my way. Uh, also, please follow me on Instagram at GeekedMeRadio and Facebook.com slash GeekedMeRadio. And we want to thank all the people who are listening in the greater St. Louis area on 95.1 FM and 1260 AM. If you're listening to this after the fact on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Podomatic, or the TuneIn app, we thank you as well. We hope you enjoy the show. And feel free to email any suggestions, any questions at GeekedMeRadio. It's James at GeekedMeRadio for the email. And yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. We'll do it again next week. We don't know what we're going to do, but we'll do something. We've got some great interviews I haven't had a chance to air yet. Danny Fingeroth, who is the group editor for the Marvel books for Spider-Man and Darkhawk. Great interview with him. Uh, we're going to see if we can get to that next week. And of course, any suggestions you have are welcome. We appreciate your listening. Until next week. Thank you, Sunnydale. Good night.